Greetings, precious boys and girls. It's that time again. It's time for avant-garde book story time. I am so happy to read you a new story. Today, I'm going to read the fifth chapter, chapter five, of Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. This book was written in 1971 by Robert C. O'Brien, and it was illustrated by Zena Kernstein. Well, if you have the book, you know what you can do. You can follow along and read with me quietly. But if you don't, it's quite okay. Just get very comfortable, get relaxed, and listen to Chapter 5 of Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. This chapter is called Five Days. The sound of the tractor did not necessarily mean that Mr. Fitzgibbon was getting ready to plow. He used it for many other things, hauling hay, and firewood, for instance, and mowing and clearing snow in the winter. Mrs. Frisbee reminded herself of all this as she hurried over to the corner post. That was a thick fence post at the corner of the garden nearest the farmhouse and the tractor shed. She had discovered long ago that it had, a few inches above the ground, a convenient knothole with a hollow place behind it in which she could hide when she had reason to, and watch what was going on in the yard. The cat, Dragon, also knew of its existence, though she had to look sharply when she came out. She came up carefully behind the post, stared this way and that, and then darted around it and up the hole, all clear. Mr. Fitzgibbon had bagged the tractor out of the big, cluttered shed where he kept it, leaving the motor idling. He climbed down from the seat and called to the house. In a moment, his older son, Paul, came out, closing the door carefully behind him. Paul, at 15, was a quiet, hard-working boy, rather clumsy in his movements, but strong and careful about his chores. In a few seconds, he was followed by his younger brother, Billy, who at age 12 was noisier and had an annoying habit of skimming rocks across the grass at anything that moved. Mrs. Frisbee did not much care for Billy. All right, boys, said Mr. Fitzgibbon. Let's haul it out and see about that one-inch pin. It was just about worn through last fall, I remember, Paul said. The boys disappeared into the shed, and Mr. Fitzgibbon remounted the tractor. He turned it around and backed it slowly toward the shed, so that the rear end was out of Mrs. Frisbee's sight. There was some clanking and clinging inside the shed while Mr. Fitzgibbon, looking over his shoulder, worked some levers on the side of its tractor. All set, he shifted gears and eased the tractor forward again. Hitched behind it, clear off the ground, was the plow. Mrs. Frisbee's heart sank. Surely he was not going to start now. But as soon as he had the plow out in the sunlight, Mr. Fitzgibbon turned the tractor's engine off. It died with a sputter, and they all gathered around the plow hitch. Sure enough, said Mr. Fitzgibbon, she's just about ready to shear. Paul, I'm glad you remembered that. If I order today, Henderson's will have a new one in three or four days. It took five days the last time, Paul said. Five then. That's just about right anyway. It's too wet to plow now, but five days like this ought to be dry ground. Let's grease up while we're out while we got it out. Billy get the grease gun. 
In her hiding place, Mrs. Frisbee breathed a sigh of relief and then began to worry again immediately. Five days, although a respite was too short. Three weeks, Mr. Ages had said, would be the soonest Timothy could get out of bed, the soonest he could live through a chill night without getting pneumonia again. She sighed and felt like weeping. If only the summer house were as warm as the cinder block house, but it was not. And even if it were, he could not make the long journey. They might try to carry him, but what was the use of that? Only to have him get sick again after the first night there. She might, she thought, go back to Mr. Ages and see if he had any ideas that would help. Was there some medicine that would make Timothy get strong sooner? She doubted it, surely. If he had such medicine, he would have given it to her the first time. She was thinking about this when she climbed out through the knot hole and slithered to the ground below, not ten feet from the cat. Dragon lay stretched out in the sunlight, but he was not asleep. His head was up and his yellow eyes were open, staring in her direction. She gasped in terror and whirled around the fence post to put it between her and him. Then without pausing, she set out to dash across the garden as fast as she could run, expecting at any instant to hear the cat scream and feel his great paws on her back. She reached the shrew's hole and considered for a fraction of a second, diving into it, but it was too small. Then she glanced back over her shoulder and saw an amazing sight. The cat had not moved at all. He was lying exactly as before, except that now one of his eyes was closed. The other, however, was still looking straight at her. So she did not pause, but raced on. Finally, when she was safe at a safe distance, two-thirds across the garden and nearly home, she stopped and looked again more carefully. The cat still lay there and seemed to have gone to sleep. That was so odd, so unheard of, she could hardly believe it. Feeling quite safe, but puzzled, she looked for a vantage point from which she could see better. By rights, she should be dead, and though she had escaped by what seemed almost a miracle, she scolded herself for having been so careless. If the cat had killed her, who would take care of her children? She saw a dead asparagus plant, stiff, tall, with branches like a small tree. She climbed it, and from near the top, looked back to the farmyard. Mr. Fitzgibbon and his sons had finished greasing the tractor and gone on somewhere else, but the cat still lay on the grass, seemingly asleep. Why had he not chased her? Was it possible that, close as she had been, he had not seen her? She could not believe that. The only explanation she could think of was that he had just finished a very large meal and was feeling so stuffed and lazy he did not want to take the trouble to get up. But that was almost as unbelievable. Certainly, he had never, that had never happened before. Was it possible that he was sick? Then on what had already been a day of oddities and alarm, she noticed something else strange. Beyond the cat, quite far beyond, between the barn and the house she saw, what looked like a troop of dark gray figures marching in column, marching, not exactly, but moving slowly all in line. They were rats. There were a dozen of them, and at first she could not quite see what they were up to. Then she saw, saw something moving between them and behind them. It looked like a thick piece of rope, a long piece, maybe 20 feet. No, 
It was stiffer than ropes. It was electric cable, the heavy black kind used for outdoor wiring and strong on telephone poles. The rats were hauling it laboriously through the grass, inching it along in the direction of a very large wild rose bush in the far corner of the yard. Mrs. Frisbee quickly guessed where they were taking it, though she could not guess why. In that rose bush, concealed and protected by dense tangles of fiercely sharp thorns, was an entrance to a rat hole. All the animals knew it, knew about it, and were careful to stay away. But what would the rats want with such a long piece of wire? Mrs. Frisbee could not imagine. Even more curious, how did they dare to pull it across the yard in broad daylight when the cat was right there? The rats were bigger than Mrs. Frisbee and could be, when necessary, dangerous fighters, but they were no match for dragons. She watched them for quite a long time. It was obvious that they knew exactly what they were doing, and they looked as well-drilled as a group of soldiers. They had about 25 yards to go to reach the rose bush, and if, at a signal, which, however, she was too far away to hear, they would all pull together, moving the wire about a foot. Then they would pause, rest, and heave again. It was about 20 minutes before the first rat disappeared into the bush. A little later, the last bit of wire disappeared behind them like a thick black snake, and Mrs. Frisbee climbed down from the asparagus bush. All that time, the cat had slept on. Wow, well, boys and girls, that was the end of chapter five. That was five days, and this chapter is from Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim, written by Robert C. O'Brien and illustrated by Zena Bernstein. I hope you're enjoying this story, and we will continue reading soon. Have a beautiful day. Take care.